Hey, welcome back to the True North Podcast. Trey and Amy Dixon here. Hello. How are you doing today, babe? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome. Well, we are excited to come back. This is going to be like episode two in what we're calling Marriage Checkup. And so if you didn't listen to episode one, highly recommend you go back and listen to that one on our Marriage Checkup That's where we basically walked you through how to kind of rate your marriage and find out where is your marriage at and how do you rank that and what does that mean? And then walking through the four areas of intimacy, walking through spiritual intimacy, emotional intimacy, sexual intimacy, and recreational intimacy and what each one of those really are and how to build up and increase that intimacy in your marriage. So once again, if you didn't listen to that, Check it out. You can go back and watch that episode one. And today we're going to continue on with this and we're going to go into continuing on in this marriage checkup. And so, babe, as we get into this part, um, a question that is a really good thing for couples to ask is basically, what is one thing that your spouse did that made you feel loved? And we really recommend doing this kind of on a weekly basis, carving out some time for you and your spouse to just sit back and kind of do a check-in. Where are we at in our marriage? How are things going? Um, where would you rate it? Where would you rate the intimacy? But then also, where what's something that you did that made each other feel loved? And this is a really important question to ask because so often what happens is we do something for one another, and I may appreciate it, but if I don't say anything, you don't know that. Mm, and so, so what yeah. can actually end up happening is you may do something for me and inside, internally, I may go, hey, that was awesome, made me feel loved, great. But if I don't say it externally, if I don't actually you know, communicate that and verbalize that to you, in your mind, you may think, well, that was no big deal. He didn't really care. And so then you may stop doing it. Well, now all of a sudden you've stopped doing something that actually made me feel mm. loved, that I appreciated. And now I'm going, well, wait a minute, she's not doing that anymore. She doesn't care about me or she doesn't love me. And and all of a sudden, simply for the fact that I didn't verbalize it. Yeah. And so this is a really important topic. And then two, there's a, there's a term in business. Back when I was a financial advisor for years and years, there was a term that we used to use all the time, celebrate to replicate. You would celebrate the things that you wanted to replicate. And so as a leader, as a boss, as a manager, whatever, you would celebrate things in those people that were, you know, underneath you that you were over because as you celebrate those, what you're actually conveying to them is that, hey, keep doing those things, replicate those things. And so same thing in marriage, celebrate to replicate. If your spouse has done something that's made you feel loved, celebrate that, tell them, thank them for that. What you're also doing is you're letting them know, Hey, keep doing it. Yeah. I really enjoy it. Keep doing it. And so I'm just going to give, and this sounds a little bit inconsequential. It seems like maybe even a little bit, you know, insignificant, but it's not. So for those of you that don't know, I, I love coffee. I am, matter of fact, Amy's made me into a coffee snob, okay? She is, I'm going to go ahead and tell on her, she is a true bougie coffee snob, okay? She makes the best coffee in the world, and I can't stand it, okay? Here's why. (laughs) She drinks it hot, like most of you do. I only drink iced coffee. Something is so wrong with you. (laughs) I love good coffee. But I only drink it cold. And so I drink iced coffee. I have Even a, when it's like 20 degrees outside, it just does not make sense. I, I'm telling you, in the dead of the winter, I only drink iced coffee. And so 
I keep, you know, I kind of make it in advance and I keep a carafe of it in our refrigerator. And so I ran out the other day and, you know, on a weekend, especially I drink it every morning, but especially on a weekend, Amy and I love to kind of sleep in a little bit, wake up. She makes her hot cup of coffee. I make a cold cup of coffee and we have our coffee in the morning and I ran out. Well, without even saying anything, without asking, she made me a pot of coffee and the next day had some coffee waiting for me. That spoke the world to me. I mean, that she knows me. She knows I like iced coffee. And I was out and she made some for me. And something, once again, that seems small, seems insignificant, but it actually spoke mm-hmm. volumes. And, and that truly is love to have to make you a cold cup of coffee. So <laughs> truly was an act of love. Because <laughs> it's like coffee blasphemy for her. <laughs> and so little things like that, that can speak volumes. And so, babe, what's that look like? Not to toot my own horn here, but just so we can give some examples to people. What are some things that I've done that made you feel yeah. loved? That may not have, you know, something that you may not have even spoke out verbally before, but that we make an intention to, to acknowledge, you know, as you were talking about what really spoke to you this week, and it's making me realize that both of ours are kind of lining up with our love language. And so yours being acts of service. Um, and I was thinking back, one of the things this week was sitting around, um, the fire pit and just having that quality time and you going out and preparing that fire and just sitting there and asking me, how's your week going? How are you doing? And just those moments of just being able to connect. And like I said, as you were sharing yours, realizing, my love language is quality time. Yours is acts of service. And, and what we were doing is fulfilling those, but sharing that, letting you know, I love it when you just sit down and ask me questions, when we just sit down and talk. Mm. So that's good. So we actually had put in a fire pit in our backyard. We dug it up and I built a fire pit and all these things. And so we love to go sit out there. And in the time of the year when the weather's nice, it's a little bit crisp, not too cold and just sit out there and listen to some music or sit out there and talk, um, just have a fire. That's an area that we love to just kind of go and connect with each other. And so, but it takes, you know, you gotta, you gotta get the fire started. You gotta get a fire starter and then you gotta go and you gotta get it ready and gotta get the wood and get it going and all those things. And not that it's a tremendous, tremendous amount of work, but it's some work. And so knowing though that that's something that you love And so my way of speaking love to you is to go get that ready, to get the music going, to, um, you know, to pour a glass of wine, if we want to have a glass of wine and sit out there, to get the chairs ready. And like you said, that's kind of one of my love languages, acts of service, and we're going to get more into those love languages later podcast, and yours is quality time. And so here I am doing acts of service for you, and sharing love, showing love, and then having quality time, which fills up your love tank and your love bank. Mm, Yeah, so good. And so those things celebrate to replicate. You know, those are the things that we want to acknowledge with each other. Um, You know, what do you want? What do you want to have done? What, how can we best love each other? And so the great thing about this too, from a practical standpoint, is if I share with you hey, this is what you did this last week that made me feel loved, that just encourages you, kind of hopefully fuels you to continue to do those things, which in turn makes me feel loved. Now is vice versa, and you're sharing those things with me, that then says, okay, well, this is now how I know how to love you, so I'm going to continue to do these things. And let me make a quick side note here, because 
this is something that we've seen couples do. And frankly, we did it ourselves for years. I think a lot of us fall in this trap. And it's this, that if I tell you how to love me and then you do it, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I like here, a lot of times when we hear this out loud, we're like, well, that sounds crazy or sounds stupid. And yet so many of us fall in this trap because what we think is if you really love me, you would know how to love me. If you love me, you would know how to love me. And I just want to flat out say, that's hogwash. Okay, yeah. that is absolutely- That's dangerous. It's dangerous. I can love you, but frankly, sometimes have no idea how to love you. We can have different love languages. We have different love needs, um, all kinds of different things that play into this. And so the trap that we often see couples fall into is I tell you, hey, this, this would make me feel loved. But then when you do it, I diminish it because I'm like, well, you only did it because I told you to. Yeah. No, that is wrong. That is the wrong mindset. What I want you to hear is this. If you tell your spouse how to love you and then they do it, don't diminish it. If anything, what I want you to do is I want you to, they heard you, okay? You shared what could, would make you feel loved. They heard that. They received that. And then they chose to act upon that. Yeah. I was going to say, they're making a conscious choice to go say, this is something you need and I'm going to do it for you. We should celebrate that all day long. That's a praise. Exactly. That's a huge praise. And unfortunately, so many times we diminish it and we go, well, they're only doing it because I told them to. Well, no, they're doing it because they heard you, they received it, and then they chose to show love to you in a way that you said you would receive love. And so don't diminish it, celebrate it, be excited about it, thank them for it. Okay. It's amazing how many times we see couples fall into this trap. Yeah. And so don't do that. But now when we share these things, we have two people that are sharing what they did that made them feel loved. We've now just encouraged each other to continue to love us in that way. And we're going to continue to even fuel that with some additional ways. Yeah. And so, and this is a great doing this marriage checkup makes you realize as a spouse going, you know, I know at the end of the week or whatever date that we've planned that this is going to be a question asked. So I'm going to look for opportunities so that I can be doing something that I'm hoping that you're going to be able to share on this marriage checkup. That's, and that's a great point because if you've gone five or six days and like, (laughs) I don't know if I've done anything, you know what? It's never too late. You got some more time. Do something to speak love. And that's a great point. And so that first question, what is a way that your spouse made you feel loved? And then question number two, what is a way that, what is something they could do to make you feel loved? Okay. So what is something that they may be missed or something that they didn't do, but they could do? And this is not a time of reprimanding or, hey, you didn't do this right. It's more of encouraging of saying, you know, if you had done this or if you would do this, it would make me feel loved. And those kinds of things really do speak volumes. Um, And so, you know, for instance, if there was a time that, you know, matter of fact, if I was to say I ran out of coffee and Amy, if you would make my coffee, gosh, that would really speak a lot to me and that would make me feel loved. There's something I could share that then she could do and would make me feel loved. And so share with each other what's something that they could do. What is something that you would like them to do that would make you feel loved? And 
make it reasonable. Yeah. Okay. Don't come in with some huge grandiose. Well, you know, if you plan to date and we went on a hot air balloon ride and you over bought the me Grand a five Canyon, carat diamond ring. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> off the table. All right. So, but make it something realistic, something attainable. Now I can buy her five carats and I could probably, you know, <laughs> they, they would be orange. All right. But so find baby some, steps, baby steps. That's right. But something that's attainable, you that's, know, what is something that they could do? And so, you know, babe, I don't know if you have any ideas, something that, um, and maybe it's something we already do, but is there something that, that I could do? Yeah, no, I, I actually, I was, I was sitting here thinking about it. One of the things that I love, and I don't think we do it often enough, but I love when you invite me in to what God is doing in your life, mm-hmm. where you've, your quiet times you spent with him, what he's shown you. I would love more of that. I would love to be invited into those moments. You coming back and saying, Hey, you know, I just, I spent some time with God this week. And this is kind of some of the things that he's shown me that speaks volumes to me. Mm, That's so good. See, and those are those, that's a really great, um, item that, okay. That tells me, gosh, I need to, I need to work on inviting you into that. And I need to take a conscious step of saying, yeah, here's what God's been showing me this week. And so those things are so important and that's a very easy doable thing. I mean, that is something that I can do. And so the great thing about this is now we've shared something that, that spoke love to us that we've encouraged our spouse to do. We've now given each other a recommendation or something, some encouragement of what they should do or can do. We've now given each other two ways, yeah, two different ways to love each other to, lo- to receive love and to give love. Yeah. Consider this your marriage homework for the That's week. Right. That's exactly right. We've learned a task. We've learned how we can better love each other. And we've just given each other two ways, two very doable, very easy things that we can continue to love each other. And without this, without kind of being intentional about it, we just, once again, we often assume, well, if they love me, they would know how to love me. Yeah. And instead of, hey, our job is to help coach each other, train each other, you know, encourage each other to how to love me. Because often we don't necessarily know how we do love each other. We don't always know how to love each other. And that's really what this is doing. That's good. And then lastly, are there any specific issues? Because sometimes what ends up happening is we can have the right conversation but the right conversation at the wrong time often becomes the wrong conversation. And so that's this, good wisdom that, well, this is where when, first of all, when's the wrong time, the wrong time is often in the moment. Why? Because in the moment, we're often highly emotional in the moment. If something's bothering us, we have to recognize it's bothering us. And that's probably hit some sort of emotional trigger. It's hit some sort of pain point inside of us. It's triggering some sort of hurt or past pain or a spiritual agreement. There's a litany of things that it could be kind of, you know, hitting on or triggering. And so that is probably most likely not the best time to address that issue because we're going to be coming at it out of place of heightened emotion or pain. Instead, park it. Yeah. 
And if we know that there's a time, just like Amy said earlier, if there's a time that we know that we're going to be sitting down having this conversation where we can talk about these things, then we know that we have the space to address it, but we're probably going to be in a much better emotional headspace and heart space at that moment than we are in the moment. And so it helps us kind of park it, pray over it, let the emotion subside, and then come back to that conversation at a later time. Yeah. And that's where this, gosh, this checkup is so good in so many ways because yeah, we've had moments before where you've done something or said something that really hurt me in that moment, but I had to stop and go, okay, why? Why did this hurt me? Is it really truly something you said, or is it something I need to work on? And so it gives me time to process it, to figure out what it is, and then to come to you in a good space. And once I've unpacked it, what it meant to me and be able to lay out and explain it to you. And I have yet to have a bad response in those moments when I've taken the emotion out of that moment, been able to process it and then bring it to you. And I know that I'm it's going to come a time where we are going to be able to talk about it. Yes. We're not sweeping it under the rug. Yes. We're just bringing it up in a good, safe time to where we can actually address the issue. And, and that really is vital. We're not sweeping it under yeah. the rug. Okay. That is not healthy. That's not good. You know, scripture talks about don't let the sun, you know, set on your anger. And that sometimes I've had a few people push back a little bit because they'll say, well, you know, scripture says don't let the sun set on your anger. Okay. Is that figurative? Is that literal? Is that setting a precedence? What exactly is that passage meaning? And what I'll tell you is what I believe that passage means is don't let things go unresolved. And the longer you let them go unresolved, the more dangerous those things are. We, we can, I mean, unresolved hurt, pain, trauma, whatever we want to call it, doesn't just go away. It does get worse with time, okay? And, and let me clarify something, because this is, once again, it's amazing how many of these things that we often come to believe, and so many of us say these things, and they're just flat out wrong. Time heals all wounds. Hmm. Time heals all wounds. It absolutely does not. No, it does not. <laughs> it is the exact opposite. If time healed all wounds, nursing homes would be full of the happiest, kindest, most joyful people no. you've ever met, okay? And not that there's not some great people at nursing homes, but there's some really old crotchety farts. Why? Because time doesn't heal anything. Now, healing takes time. I want you to hear that. Healing takes time, but time without healing doesn't make things better. Mm, time good. alone actually makes things worse. Okay. And, and that's what I believe scripture is saying. Don't let sunset down your, don't let sunset on your anger. I agree. I totally agree. But if we know that there's a time coming in a near future to address it with less emotion and hopefully get much better resolution to be closer with each other and closer with God, that is completely in line with scripture. Yeah. Well, and I know for me, I have control. Anger is an emotion. I have control over that emotion. I can say, I'm going to choose not to be angry. I'm going to choose to say, this is serious, but I'm not going to take it personally. So I'm going to set that anger aside. I'm going to do the processing I need to do, but then bring it up to you. But I have a choice of saying, I actually am going to choose not to go to bed angry because I know there's going to be a time that we can talk about this. But right now, my choice is to, to table it until we have that set aside time that's just going to allow us to unpack it in a good space. Okay, so I want you to expound on something because you just dropped a grenade. Oh, okay, boy. you just dropped a truth grenade 
because um, what you said was so unbelievably powerful, and you kind of you kind of went right past it. So I want to come back and park in that because what you just said was so good. You said, take it seriously. Don't take it personal. Yeah. Unpack that for us a little bit. Yeah. There's sometimes when someone has said something, you said something to me in that moment, it feels personal and I have to go, okay, I'm not going to, I don't know exactly how you intended it. So I'm not going to choose to take it personally, but it is serious. So what does that mean? And so I unpack that, whatever it is that you've said, like I said, I process it through myself first to make sure is what you said, something I do need to really take true and, and take to God and work on? Is it something that's just a reflection of what you're going through in that moment? So, so many times before I would be offended and that's why I'm not, don't take it personally. I would be offended and then I'd walk out in that offense. And so now I realize it's not personal. Yeah. It's serious, but it's not personal. And so that's where I, that's where it's so good to come back to each other to go, okay, how exactly did you mean this? What exactly, you know, what was your headspace in that moment? Did you, it wasn't in a personal attack and be able to do that. But for me in that moment going, this is not personal. Mm, That is so good and so powerful that just because it's not personal doesn't mean that it's not serious. Doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be addressed. Doesn't mean that it wasn't hurtful. But not taking it personally takes out the offense. Yeah. It, because then we take a legitimate issue, and this is something too. If there's a legitimate issue, let's say it's a, you know, a scale of 1 to 10, it's a, a 4 or 5. Okay, It's a legitimate issue that needs to be addressed. Not the end of the world, but it's a legitimate issue. But the problem is if you take it personally and you get offended by it, you're going to blow it up to an 8 or a 9. It's so true. Yeah. And now you're going to bring it to me, something that, you know, it should be a four or five, but you're bringing it to me as an eight or a nine. Well, in my mind, because all of us are, you know, we try to rationalize it. We, we're trying to defend it, whatever. I'm looking at it going, you're being ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You're being emotional. You're being over the top, whatever. So then I diminish it. Okay, and by the way, I'm not condoning this. I'm not saying what I'm, I'm not advocating what I'm sharing. I'm just saying this is what so many of us do. But I look at it and I go, you're being ridiculous, over the top, emotional, however I, I verbalize it. And I drop it from where you have it as an eight or a nine, but I don't address it as a four or five because I think you're being ridiculous. So I drop it down to a one or a two. Because in my mind, well, I'm trying to compensate for you taking it higher than making it more than what it is. So I drop it to less than what it is. And now because I've dropped it down a one or a two, that's made you even more upset, more offended. Now you've got it up to a 10 or a 15. And then I completely write it off as a non-issue because you're just over the top. And by the way, this happens both ways. I'm not throwing Amy under the bus. I do this too. But this is what, this is how it happens is we take a legitimate issue, but by ma- but that spirit of offense, by taking it personally, making it more than what it is, our spouse often overcompensates the other way, diminishes it, and before you know it, an issue that was a four or five that we could have easily addressed. A legitimate issue that legitimate could have issue. been discussed and talked about now is just, it's blown up. Exactly. Now, and I mean, now it's like, I And it's brought guts. friends. That's a, yeah, now it's, <laughs> it has brought a lot of bad friends with it. And so now it's like, you know what, an issue, it's a four or five and I'm sleeping on the couch. You know, I mean, that's how quickly 
this so quick. And so by, but by taking as much of that emotion out as we can, by taking it seriously, but not taking it personally and not addressing it necessarily in the moment, but knowing that there's a time coming that we can address it in the right headspace makes all the difference in the world. Absolutely. And so, babe, that was so, I, I thank you for sharing that. Like that was so incredibly impactful. And then last thing, before you go into this marriage checkup, and especially before you go into this last question, are there any, you know, issues that we need to address? Stop and ask yourself something. Can we pray together? Mm. Can we pray together? Because here's a really good general rule of thumb. If we can't pray together, we're not in the right headspace to argue or fight together. So true. And this applies to this conversation, but it really applies to any time that we need to have a hard conversation. If there's an argument, if there's a time, because I'll just be transparent. There's been times that Amy's come to me where she can tell I'm getting emotional. I'm getting upset. And she'll say, hey, can we stop and pray? And I'm like, nope, I don't want to right now. <laughs> okay. True story. A true story. I've, you know, it's sad to admit, but it's, it's happened. And in that moment, she's like, okay, well, then we're not going to talk right now. Yeah. Now's or, not a good time. Now's not a good time for us to have this conversation. And I have to own that. I have to accept that. And I have to realize that if we're not in a position to pray together, then we're not in a position to fight together. And that usually forces me to step back for a minute, clear my head, go for a walk, you know, do whatever I need to do. And sometimes I just need a little time to work it out internally so that I'm not working it out externally. Oh, that's good. That's okay? good right there. Because if uh, that's often what happens is internally I'm in that heightened emotion, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, whatever it is, but I start working it out externally before I work it out internally, it doesn't go well. And so this is where I need to be able to work that out, then come back to her and go, okay, now let's pray. And when we can do that, those emotions just, they drop substantially. And then we can have that hard conversation without all the emotion. So good. So this is our wrap up here of the marriage checkup. Hopefully this will be some help to you. Some, uh, you can learn from our mistakes. You're welcome. <laughs> That's right. You're welcome. And hopefully make your marriage, um, frankly, the marriage that God intended it to be. Yeah. Marriage is a picture of our salvation with Christ and our walk with Christ honestly was not meant to be easy, but it was meant to be holy. It was meant to be a covenant. It is meant to be something that's incredibly sacrificial and rewarding. And so our marriage is a picture of that. It's not always going to be easy, but that's okay. Because it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's holy. So guys, thanks for being here today. Do a marriage checkup. Let this become part of your routine, part of your marriage, drawing closer to each other as you're drawing closer to Christ. So thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. Bye.